Welcome to the Traffic Calm Network. I'm your host, Bob Felt. Our program is about driving conversations, keeping traffic calm, and saving lives. If you really want to know what's going on in D.C. in the wide world of transportation advocacy, then we found the perfect guest for you today. We're pleased to welcome the president and CEO of the American Highway Users Alliance to the program, and we expect to learn more about what they do, why it's important, and how it benefits us. Our guest is a nationally recognized expert in advocacy. She recently departed the National Auto Dealers Association as a senior director of legislative affairs, I think about a year ago, to take her current position. Her resume includes director of legislative affairs for the American Traffic Safety Services Association and congressional staffer for New York's Amo Houghton. Wait, there's more. She's a nationally certified association executive, or CAE, past chairman and board member of the Road Gang, and was named one of Association Trend's most effective association lobbyists. Please join me in welcoming today our guest, Laura Parada. Hi, Laura. Hi, Bob. How are you doing? So happy I'm, to be here with you. I'm doing very well. Thank you. And congrats on the new position, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. You're right. It has been just a little over a year and a crazy year it has been. <laughs> I second that. Before we go too far, Laura, and get into specifics, I'm wondering if it would benefit our listeners to have you just give a brief overview of what exactly the American Highway Users Alliance is. Can you do that? Sure, Bob. No problem. Um, it is a good question. We're a 501c6 coalition that was actually created back in 1932 uh, by General Motors and the American Petroleum Institute. And at that time, what they were trying to do was get better all-weather roads so that your car wouldn't get stuck in the mud or in a pothole and your mail would get delivered on time. And today, with um, so many years later and 300 members now today, we're still basically doing the same thing. <laughs> we're trying to get better roads that can get you home safely and efficiently and relieve congestion and just really get good transportation policy enacted that will impact every roadway user. So basically it's very important. And what I think I understand from talking with others in the industry is your organization, so to speak, it's not a trade association, it's different. Tell us how that is so different. Sure. Yes, um, it is. It can be confusing. There are so many organizations here in Washington, D.C. that wear so many different hats, but we aren't a trade association. We don't represent one particular industry. We're a coalition. So uh, our members choose to be a member of their own trade associations and join our coalition. And um, we're very broad. That's one of our biggest strengths. We represent so many different sectors of the transportation industry that care about our roadways and the pay into the Highway Trust Fund. You know, whether it's the motor coach industry, the automakers, AAA clubs, the trucking industry, um, you know, roadway construction, safety suppliers, and both individual companies and also trade associations are members of our organization. So our, our um, makeup is very broad and very diverse. So you mentioned the Highway Trust Fund, and I know enough about transportation to be dangerous, as I say. I've been in the industry in a different form for about 20 years, and we use a lot of acronyms. There's one that I'm wondering if you could draw the lines to, and it's HSIP. And first of all, tell us what HSIP is and if it at all relates to the Highway Trust Fund. And then if I could really ask you the real complex question, how does that tie into the federal transportation bill and where are we at? So there's a mouthful. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so the Highway Safety Improvement Program, or HSIP, is the pot of money that um, is a federal pot of money, and it's really where all the roadway infrastructure safety projects come out of this pot of money. 
So it's for things like low cost safety improvements, whether it's, you know, putting in guardrails or cable barriers or pavement markings or rumble strips, you know, all these different roadway projects, um, their funding comes out of the Highway Safety Improvement Program. And this is actually a program within the um, Federal Surface Transportation Program. So it's one of the core programs, extremely important to so many people across the nation and every driver, I would argue. And all of this, um, this surface transportation program that the, H the Highway Safety Improvement Program is included in is funded under the, the Federal Highway Trust Fund. So that trust fund is something that's been in place for many decades, and it is um, paid for by the users of the system, the highway users, I would say. So everyone who buys fuel to either fuel, you know, whether it's, um, you know, regular gasoline, diesel, every time you go to the, the gas pump, you're paying into that Federal Highway Trust Fund to maintain our roadway projects and our roadways across the country. And then there are other things that go into that Highway Trust Fund too. Um, in addition to your fuel taxes that everyone again pays at the federal level, you also have uh, things like truck tax, various truck taxes for the heavy duty truck world. Whether it's a federal excise tax and heavy duty trucks when you purchase a brand new heavy duty truck, there are tire taxes, there's um, a heavy vehicle use tax. So a lot of these taxes do come into play on the heavy duty side and they're also paying the diesel tax. On the light duty side, you really have the, the gasoline tax. And then, you know, there are some other various taxes in here as well that we won't even go into, but like the leaking underground storage um, fee. So there's so many varieties of taxes that go into this system that pays for our roadways. I hope I was able to connect the dots for you okay, but that Highway Safety Improvement Program is one of the core programs under our overall surface transportation program. And all of those get funded by the Federal Highway Trust Fund. So in other words, what I think I heard you say is not everybody can do what you and what we do in transportation. It's pretty complex when you when you when you cut through it all, don't you say? Yeah, it really is. And that goes to why sometimes I believe it's been hard to get the public engaged in the granular level of how all this works. Uh, you know, it's very straightforward when Americans are paying for their cell phone bill or their cable bill or you know their internet or whatever these bills that come in monthly and it's just a, a set fee and it's very clear i'm paying x and i get y but unfortunately most americans think when you drive on the roadways it's free which it absolutely isn't and you know you're paying this gasoline highway trust fund tax on a regular basis when you fill up your gas tank but folks aren't realizing like that you're actually paying for the roadways when you're when you're filling your tank and that everyone has to pay a little to get a good return on investment on their infrastructure. And unfortunately, I mean, that's kind of a failing of, first of all, you know, the federal government's taxing so many things, but then we're not communicating enough about the value of some of these taxes to the average person. Well, we are communicating some things well, and I think it's the fact that there is a federal transportation bill and this. These are my words, and you've heard it before, I'm sure. Did we kick the can down the road again? And I think you know what I mean about when we talk about federal transportation bill. Did we just like, uh, what do they call, uh, do an extension rather than create a new one? Or where, where are we at with that? Sure. Good question, Bob. So, yes, unfortunately, we did have to have another extension of the current surface transportation bill. Just for your listeners, you know, the what I like to call the highway bill is what we call reauthorized or um, basically the policy is discussed and debated and a new bill gets signed into law about every five years by Congress. 
And um, that was the, the current FAST Act that we've been living under currently, the current surface transportation program was expired actually September 30th of 2020. And so Congress had until September 30th to pass a brand new bill or to extend the current law. And unfortunately, I will say in large part due to COVID um, and, and you know election year politics and presidential election and all of that, um, they did kick the can down the road again and had a one year extension until September 30th, 2021 to get this new bill reauthorized. I will say though, on the positive side, I do think it was good that we got a year extension rather than a couple month extension because when you get several extensions in one year, uh, it really makes it very hard for the state departments of transportation to do any planning when they don't know, you know, if, if the money is going to keep coming, if they're going to have stability. So I do think one thing of value out of all uh, kind of, you have to make lemons, you know, lemonade out of lemons. <laughs> the one good thing out of this one year extension is that the state DOTs do have certainty for a solid year of one year of funding. So we, Congress basically really needs to get their act together. And as soon as the next Congress starts in early January, they need to hit the ground running and start figuring out what they're going to put in their transportation reauthorization bill and get it passed through Congress well in advance of that September 30th deadline. Okay, that does sound good. I'll take the good news and we'll leave the bad news aside and just say there isn't any. Pretend that this year hasn't been as bad as it's been. You mentioned the C word covid and i understand how it has affected things so uh we'll go with it the good news is we have a federal transportation bill until september of 2021 i think i heard you say yes correct yes we have uh, less than a year now for congress to come up with a new bill and pass it through both houses so otherwise we're going to suffer through another extension but at least we do have that stability of one year but that being said i think the most important thing for listeners to know if you're talking to congress or you want to be involved we really need to keep the pressure on Congress at the beginning of next Congress in January so um, they understand that there are stakeholders and individuals across the country who desperately need this highway bill to be a priority in the next Congress. Exactly. And thank you for doing what you do on behalf of your members as well. I have a question for you in particular in terms of how you do it. Like, What is your secret to success, if you're willing to share, uh, in terms of how you do what you do? Well, thanks, Bob. I think, you know, the biggest thing from my perspective of being a successful advocate in, in Washington, D.C. on transportation issues is um, really building good relationships, positive relationships. And I would say, you know, that should be the goal for any stakeholder, whether you're, you know, own a company or um, if you're an employee of a company or, you know, if you're running a, an association or working for an association. I think it's all about relationships, especially in this world of COVID. We learned that um, very quickly that, you know, when you can't go and walk down the halls of Congress and knock on doors, uh, you need to be able to have that relationship with the staff and the members of Congress to, for them to pick up your call when you call their cell phone, you know, because we were trapped in this world of, oh, no, we've got to really relearn how to advocate for our industries. And um, it's having that trustworthy relationship with members of Congress and their staff where they value your relationship and feel that you give good counsel and good advice and really have the data to back you up. So it's all about reputations in Washington, DC and having those relationships where even with this COVID buffer of not being able to be face-to-face -face in front of people at this time, that folks are willing to pay attention to your emails and answer your calls. So without that reputation and relationship, 
you know, a lot of folks just don't have the same access and influence that folks that um, do have those relationships over the years. Well, I like to hear that. Uh, I like R&R too, but maybe you're thinking the other type, but uh, relationships and what else did you say? (laughs) Reputation. (laughs) I really do know how to do this because I worked with a lot of people in transportation that would wait until the crisis hits and then they try to build the relationships. And I think that's backwards. So what you've described, your secret to success, if you will, is just continuing to understand the importance of the networking and your uh, reputation and uh, relationships and all. And I I like that. I think others can use that both individually, uh, personally, professionally, and organizationally. We're talking with Laura Parada of the American Highway Users Alliance. And I wonder what 2021 looks like from your perspective. Is there a big event or something you'd like to share with us coming up next year? Uh, for the highway users, well, we are constantly putting out um, new webinars right now. That's been our biggest thing ever since the world of COVID. We used to do everything face-to-face, but now it's it's all about everything being online. And we haven't released our webinar schedule for next year, but it will be all on our website shortly. I'm believing that our first webinar will likely focus on autonomous vehicles policy. And we're looking at early February for that event. I know we also are planning some safety technology showcases, virtual safety technology showcases. We actually had our first one ever this September. It was extremely successful. And what we did was, um, this was an event we used to have on Capitol Hill. where We'd have an exhibit hall with some of our members and members of Congress and their staff could stop by and physically see some new innovative technologies. But now with COVID, what we're doing is highlighting three companies that have new and innovative technology and uh, basically have it in a virtual format, one hour event, where each company has about 20 minutes to present their new technology or do a hands-on demonstration virtually, and then um, open it up to Q&A for each each stakeholder. And this past, um, I guess it was September, we highlighted um, Volkswagen's reactive headlights. We also uh, highlighted GM's Super Cruise and uh, Michelin's Optus tires. So this is the type of thing where there's something kind of late-breaking technology that we can really bring to members of Congress and their staff and also the agencies without making anyone uh, leave the comfort of their chair. So this is something that was very (laughs) successful and we're planning for at least one or if not two. I just don't have the dates yet for 2021. And then we always have our big annual meeting in the fall of 2021. So those are our big things we're working on. I like the fact that safety is part of it, but because I have a short memory loss, apparently short-term memory loss, what was it? Virtual safety technology, something sure. or other? It's the virtual safety technology showcase. Oh, that's right. Showcase. I did like that last word. Virtual safety technology showcase. And you'll, you've already done this in 2020. You'll do it again in 2021. And you'll, every time you do this, uh, have different companies? You know, we always want to bring different and new technologies and highlight different companies. So, and another thing we try to do with the showcase is really have uh, different types of technologies and not something too similar. I believe one of our uh, members that was interested, for example, in uh, demonstrating some technology is potters, you know, potters, NAPS a member as well. Yes. And they were looking to um, show the benefits of um, pavement marking retro reflectivity. So, you know, we're always trying to highlight whether it's on the vehicle or on the roadway, some different safety technologies and bring something new to the table. Yeah, I think it's very important. It's necessary. The innovations are always being developed. In fact, 
in some cases they're being implemented and I find people, even my own family that don't realize uh, there are certain things out there. So we can continue to do a good job or a better job communicating. We're already doing a good job, but we need to do a better job. I'm wondering here because we're short on time today, if you could just tell us, is there anything from your standpoint, personally, professionally, or maybe the organization that you'd like to talk about in terms of what the future of transportation looks like? I mean, is it any different than it is now? Well, I will say that I think that the future of transportation is definitely evolving. I, I think we're on the cusp of a lot of new technologies coming online, especially in the vehicles that are going to be really life-changing. And it's um, it was a little disconcerting, I think, that the FCC has decided to move forward with breaking up the spectrum band for transportation safety. That's something that I'm very concerned about to make sure that you know, our vehicles are able to talk to each other in the future. And now we're, we have to worry about interference that might be caused by what happened with the FCC moving forward with divvying up the safety spectrum. But that being said, I do think that technology is evolving really quickly as we see. I think another question, big question mark is whether Congress can get things together and pass autonomous vehicles legislation as well. Because, um, I mean, there's always more to be done on the roadway side and the infrastructure safety side and the engineering but also there's just this other world of autonomous vehicles and safety technologies and vehicles that are really gonna bring a whole nother layer to what we're seeing out in the roadway. And I'm excited about it. I think who it's gonna benefit the most are some of our populations who, as maybe they age or even today, they don't have access to a vehicle, but think of a world in the future where someone who's visually impaired can, can drive to the grocery store in their autonomous vehicle or, you know, someone who's 95 and maybe can't, you know, drive a traditional vehicle anymore can get to the drugstore to pick up their medication without relying on anyone. I mean, this is really a whole new world. It's just a matter of um, how many years does it take us to get there? And can we have a national vision to get us there as well, rather than a patchwork with different states passing different laws? Thank you. We've been talking with Laura Parada. She's now the president and CEO of the American Highway Users Alliance. Laura, thank you for your time today. We really appreciate you spending time with us. Thanks, Bob. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate it. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can find Traffic Home on Facebook and LinkedIn. And until next time, use your head, don't drive distracted, and be safe. Driving conversations, keeping traffic calm, and saving lives. This is the Traffic Home Network.